0: Amen. Praise God. I'm so glad you're here. This is our third service of the weekend. We had a great service last night, a great service this morning, and we're finishing up this weekend, and then we're going to go home and uh, watch the uh, Falcons win the Super Bowl. I don't actually have a dog in the fight, but you know, amen. It's all right. We're going to have a good time. Praise God. Hey, this is my fourth week, and I've been talking to you about God's Prophetic promises for you. God's prophetic promises for you and your family. And uh, we've been talking about it for three weeks, about how God has a future for you. God has a plan for you. That's what the word prophetic means. One of my life verses is Jeremiah 29, 11, and it's on the wall. You see it when you come in every week. And it says that God's plans for me, God's plans for you are good and not evil, and that we have a hope and that we have a future. And so we've been talking about 2017. We've been talking about how God has a plan for you and you have a future with God, not only in this life, but in the life to come. I wanted to just remind you of two things I talked about last week. Then I'm gonna show you what God showed me for this week. Last week, I said two things. I said that it's the year for you to know your identity and for you to get to the place where God wants you to be. And I just wanted to remind you this morning, about your identity. Now, you have a family identity. You have a name identity. You have an identity as a race. You have an identity as a sex. But I'm talking about God's identity for you. And that's the most important identity that you have when you understand who God says you are. Now, don't miss this. See, if we could stop listening to what others are saying about us, if we could stop listening to maybe what a coach said or maybe a teacher or a boss or even a parent, and you could turn your heart and begin to listen to what God says about you, what happens is you begin to understand your identity. You know, I've made a mistake in my life. There was a long time in my life where I looked to people to fulfill my identity. Another word for identity is validation. I looked to people to you know, tell me, hey, Rusty, you're a great guy. Hey, Rusty, I'm proud of you. Hey, Rusty, I love you. Uh, specifically, I would look to my family to do that. And anytime there was a holiday gathering and I would get with my family, I would leave with my head hung down because they wouldn't validate me. And here's what I found out. It wasn't that they wouldn't, they couldn't. You see, my family, they weren't validated growing up and they didn't know how to validate me. And so I spent a long time in my life looking to the wrong place to find my own identity and my own validation. The second thing I've done, and I know many of you have too, is I've looked to things to do it. And whether it's the right watch or the right shoes or the right shirt or the right house or the right car, and don't get me wrong, I'm incredibly blessed and God has taken such good care of me, but I know and you know too Things can't validate you. Things can't give you a sense of identity. Listen to what I I wrote. There's no peace. There's no victory. There's no joy or hope in life until you recognize that your identity is in Christ alone. Now, it's a process. It's a journey, and I want you to understand that very clearly. You're not going to wake up in the morning and have a new identity, but you can wake up in the morning and go to the scripture and go to God and say, God, I want you to help me understand who I am, and you start that journey. Uh, Last week, I gave out these simple sheets of paper, and it's got a list of verses, and it has a list of promises on both sides, and it talks about your identity in Christ, and I've got them at the red desk, and I hope if you don't have one, or even if you do have one, you'd grab one for somebody. And if you took time over the next month or two, and you would look at each one of these and look them up, I can guarantee you it'll strengthen your identity in Christ. And as it strengthens your identity in Christ, God will be able to then take you to the place that he wants you to be. Now, don't miss this. I'm not saying that God wants you to move to a different town necessarily, and sometimes people do move. But here's what I mean. God has you and your family on a journey. And on that journey, you've been walking out of darkness and you've been walking into and toward the light. And you see, God wants to bring you from despair to hope. God wants to bring you from brokenness to wholeness. Listen, the life that you dream of, the life you hope for, the life that you wish could be true, God wants that life for you also. And he wants to take you on a journey through the days and through the years to that place. You know, one of the things we have here in Tulia we have an incredible medical community, and we have a brand new clinic, and we have a great hospital, and we have great medical staff and medical care here. We're really blessed to have it here. God's been so good to us. And if I went down to the clinic tomorrow, and I went in and went up to the desk, and, and most of them in there know me, and they, said, they would say, hey, Pastor, what are you doing? Well, hey, I just want you to know this morning that I want to be a doctor, and so I just want you to put me to work somewhere. Well, yeah, you're laughing because you know that wouldn't happen, and the reason it wouldn't happen is because I don't have the training to be a medical person, and it's silly. Uh, they would pick up the phone and say, "Miss Vicky, you need to come down here. Rusty's down here, and he needs help." <laughs> right? And if she wouldn't go, they'd call uh, the sheriff, Mr. McCaslin. Would you come down and get Pastor Rusty? Something's wrong with him. Okay. All right, here's the thing I want you to see in that example. It's the same way in the kingdom of God. Here's all I want to ask you to do. I just want to ask you to stay on the road. Keep growing, keep reading, keep learning, keep praying. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to move into your identity. And as you do that, you're going to move into the place that God wants to bring you and your family. Now, I want to show you the next thing this morning that God stirred in my heart for you. I also said last week that God wants to give you the grace this year to forgive. Now, let me talk to you for just a moment. I know there's some of you here and you've had things done to you. You've been around situations that you think if I knew, I would understand. Pastor, I don't even know how to forgive, I don't even know where to start, I don't even know where to begin. In fact, my situation is impossible. But here's what God said. He said, I'm gonna give you the grace. So what does that mean? Well, here's what it means. God, I don't know where to begin. I don't know how. Now, I'm not saying that you go to that person, all right? That person could even be deceased. I'm not not advocating that. What I'm advocating is if you don't know where to begin or how to do it or where to start, you just say, Jesus, pastor said, that right pastor said that you'd give me the grace to help me forgive and i want you to show me how to do it then he said this morning that god wants to give you the grace to fight the grace to fight now i'm not talking about a fist fight i'm not i'm not talking about a physical fight anybody can fist fight doesn't mean you necessarily win that's not the fight i'm talking about I'm talking about that spiritual fight in your life. Listen, you have an enemy, but do you know what? Most Christians don't live like they do. Most Christians don't even recognize there's a fight going on. You know, we live in a dark, evil, broken world. You saw a glimpse of it on that video this morning. But here in America, for all all points and purposes, we're protected from it. Now, I know there's bad things that happen in America. I know there's bad things that have probably happened even to some of you. But by and large, we're protected from the evil in the world. But you still have an enemy. And here's what God said. I'll give you the grace to fight the enemy off your life. What do you mean, Pastor? Here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to, if you will, draw a line in the sand in your life and decide That the devil is not going to have you, he's not going to have your marriage, he's not going to have your kids, he's not going to have your grandkids, he's not going to have your job, he's not going to have your health, and that you begin to decide to resist darkness in your life. Now I want to read to you this morning out of Ephesians chapter 6. Then I'm going to read 10 through 13 out of the New Living Translation. And it'll be on the screen. Listen to what the first three words say. A final word. Now, I love that. Okay? It's almost like as if you and I are going out to battle. And we are going out to battle. As we go out into our week and into battle, God says, hey, I want to give you a final word. It's like the general saying, hey, listen to what I want to tell you. Listen to what he says. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. The King James says the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And I don't miss this. Listen, God's not asking you to be strong. He's asking you to be strong in him. See, Christianity is not about you standing your ground and you're gritting your teeth and you're going to be tough. It's not about that. That doesn't work anyway. We know it doesn't. He says, I want you to be strong in me. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Here's the next thing I want you to see. The devil has strategies against you. You see, there's a kingdom of darkness, and that kingdom of darkness is coming against you, whether you recognize it or not, whether you even want to believe it or not. The kingdom of darkness is coming against you. But God said in his word, I'm going to give you strategies. I'm going to give you strength, and I'm going to give you the grace to fight and to come against darkness in your life. Listen to what it continues to say. For we are not fighting flesh and blood, enemies. Stop right there. Oh, my gosh. Now, let me help you here. This truth has so changed my life. Your enemy is not people. You see, your enemy's not your wife. Your enemy's not your husband. Your enemy's not your teenage daughter. Your enemy's not your boss. Your enemy's not the lady that lives next door to you. (coughs) Excuse me. You see, we're not fighting flesh and blood. And if you can recognize that, you see, people are not my problem. I have a problem. I have a kingdom of darkness arrayed against me. But it didn't people. Now, will the devil use people? Absolutely he will, just like God will. But if you can get out of the drama and recognize people are not my problem. That I have an enemy and God's going to help me fight him and get him off my life and let me continue to read. It says we don't wrestle against people, flesh and blood, but against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. Now I want you to notice something very powerful in this. If you didn't know better, that says there's a kingdom of darkness and that it's organized. Because it lists ranks in those verses. There's a kingdom of darkness. It's organized. And they are planning schemes against you. Well, my gosh, pastor. You know what that makes you want to do, right? What makes you want to do what I want to do? Dear God. Right? Lord Jesus, I'm not even going to get out of bed in the morning. I'm going to stay under the covers and I'm going to hide. All right, no, I'm not asking you to do that. What I want you to recognize is God said, I'm going to give you grace. Here's the good news. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Listen to what the last verse says. The last verse says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you can resist the enemy in time of evil. And after the battle, you'll be standing firm. Now, if you're in a fight and when the fight's over, you're still standing, what's that mean? Well, that means you won. Isn't that what it means? You see, if I'm in a fight and the person I'm fighting is on the ground, but I'm standing, now I might be, have a bruise or two, I might have a black eye, but it means I won the fight. Now, here's all I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to decide today that you're tired of the devil in your life. You see, here's what happens to us. It happens to me. We just get used to things being the way they are. I'm just used to being sick. I'm just used to not feeling good. I'm just used to not having enough money at the end of the month. I'm just used to this old car I'm driving. And listen, I've driven some old cars, okay? I've driven old cars, and the tires didn't have any tread on them. I'm going to work in Amarillo one time, and the tires have no tread, and it's a little icy, and I come to a stop sign, and I don't stop, and I slide right out into traffic, and by the grace of God, I don't have a wreck. Listen, been there, done that, I have the T-shirt. Okay, that's old and wore out, but I have it. But think about in your life how you just kind of settle in sometimes. So here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm just asking you to decide, no more, devil, no more. I'm tired, and I'm going to stop you in the name of Jesus. How do I stop him, Pastor? Here's how you do it. It's very simple. Devil, get off my life. Get off my marriage. Get off my kids. Get off my boss. Get off my washer and dryer. Get off my car. Get off my dog. Right? In the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Now, listen, you don't have to yell. If you want to yell, yell. If you want to run around the house and scream on fire and wear an Indian headdress, I don't care. You can do that, but it doesn't make it work any better, okay? I'm kind of a loud person, right? My wife always says that. I can hear you all over Walmart, okay? (laughs) Right? So you don't have to do that. But here's what you do. Now, listen, you do it in your car on the way to work, and you don't have to do it in front of anybody. You can do it in the shower while you're getting ready for work. You can say, devil, get your hands off my family. Get your hands off my husband. Get your hands off my wife. Now, listen very carefully before I move on. Men, your family needs you to fight for them. Ladies, moms, grandmothers, your children, your husband, need you to fight for them. Listen, your community needs us to fight for them. We need to be beacons of light. We need to be the right. We need to be the grace of God, and we need to be able to stand our ground. Say, devil, you're not gonna have Tulia. You're not gonna have our school system. You're not gonna have our coaches. You're not gonna have our principals. You're not gonna have our kids. You're not gonna have the elementary school. You're not gonna have our clinic or our doctors. You're not gonna have our police. God wants to give you the grace this year to fight and to resist darkness. And when the smoke clears, you will be standing. Here's the next thing he said. For you to find your seat in church. Find your seat in church. Now let me read it together. There's three things I want you to see. God wants you to find your seat in church. He wants you to get aligned with him, and he wants you to recognize that it's important that it matters. Now, I want to read to you out of Hebrews 10, and listen to what this says in Hebrews 10. Finding your seat in church. What does that mean, Pastor? That means you show up in this place because you know it matters, and you know it makes a difference, and you need something from God. Listen to what it says in Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, 23 says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep His promises. Now, did you hear what that said? Okay, what what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to grab a hold of hope firmly. Why? Because God can be trusted to keep His promises. Why do, what does that have to do with having a seat in church? Well, I don't mean your seat individually. And a lot of of us do set the same place every week, and and that can be okay, right? But sometimes it can be kind of clannish, right? And we don't want it to be hard for new people to come to church. We want it to be easy for new people to come to church. But what it means is, is you know, hey, it's Sunday, and I'm showing up in this place, and when I show up in this place, I'm going to get a hold of hope, and I'm going to hang on to it because God keeps his promises. Listen, whatever you think God's promised you, he keeps his promises, and I want to encourage you to hang on to that promise, whether it's he. Healing, whether it's your business, whether, whatever it is. Now, let me continue to read. Listen to what this says. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect meeting together. That's what we're doing right here this morning, but encourage one another, especially now the day of his return is drawing near. Listen, God wants you to find your seat in church. A couple of years ago at Zion, at Trinity, Jensen Franklin preached a message called, just be there. Just be there. What does that mean? Hey, it's Sunday and I'm going to God's house because God has a word for me and I'm not gonna miss it. God's handing out mail and I'm gonna be there to get my mail, right? I'm not going to please God. I'm going because I need something from God, amen? So I find my seat in church. Now, the next thing he said was get aligned with God. Now, he talked a lot about alignment. Let me remind you of two things he said. He said that he wants to realign your past. That has to do with forgiveness. I'm gonna realign the junk in your life and the stuff that you've done that you don't want anybody to know. Then I'm gonna realign your bloodline. I'm gonna realign your past. I'm gonna realign your bloodline. Man, God, move on my bloodline, amen? Then the third thing he said was that I just mentioned is God wants you to realign yourself with him. Now, here's what realign means. Don't miss this. To restore to a former position. Think about the stuff in your life that's been stolen and broken. God wants to realign it. And God wants you to line up with him. And what does that mean? Here's what it means. It's real simple. (coughs) Excuse me. It means you line up with the promises of God. Okay, here's what it looks like. Father, I thank you this morning. I'm in my truck. I'm going to work. Father, I thank you this morning that you love me. I'm aligning myself with God. Father, I thank you that I'm a son and that you paid for my sin. And Jesus, you washed me in your blood and I belong to you. I'm aligning myself with God. Jesus, I thank you that it's going to be a good year and your blessings on my wife, your blessings on my children, and your blessings on my granddaughter. I'm aligning myself with God. Are you with me? Instead of, what's the other way? Oh, it's Monday, dear God. Right? Right? And we gripe and we bellyache. What do we find out? No more Eeyores, right? We're not pessimistic. What am I doing? I'm on this journey called Christianity. I'm lining myself up with the Word of God. I'm saying what God says about me instead of what my mama says about me or my dad says about me. Are you with me? Now, I'm going to give you one simple little story. I've been wearing my hair like this for a while, pretty much out of just necessity, amen? I mean... (laughs) <laughs> but there was a time I had quite a bit of hair back in the day, and I cut it off pretty short, and my mom said, oh, your hair is so nice. I wish you hadn't cut it off. That makes you look like such an idiot. <laughs> yeah, and I, now she's in heaven, and so it's all good, and I'm going to see her later, and, right? And I'm not mad at her, but, you know, it, it, in other words, what she's saying and what God says is totally different. And she didn't mean anything by it. Sometimes the things that hurt the most Or when people say things they don't mean or they don't realize they're doing it, amen? So you recognize hey, I'm gonna align myself with God. Now, here's the next thing I need you to understand it's more important than you know. I'm so grateful you're here. You being here is more important than you know. A couple of things happened this morning by you being here. First off, you're setting aside time to worship God. And you're acknowledging, I'm not God. There is a God. And I'm going to set aside some time on Sunday morning, and I'm going to worship him. And so you've humbled yourself by being here. Then when you come in here, you get in God's presence. The Bible calls it the anointing, the presence of God when we gather together. And you can find healing. You can find peace in your mind. You can find hope. You get an opportunity to sing songs and to worship God and lift your hands and lift your heart and humble yourself. You have an opportunity to give of yourself financially. You have an opportunity to pray for each other. And then you have an opportunity to hear truth. It's more important than you know. In fact... I, I hope you don't think I'm stretching it too far. It's really life and death. Listen, if we don't know Christ as our Savior, the Bible says that we're damned for eternity. So it matters not only in this life, but in the next life. So it matters more than you realize. Now, I just don't want you to miss this. Find your seat in church. Get aligned with God and realize it's more important than you know. Here's the last one. Be aware of going through the motions. Now, i want to read to you out of Matthew, (coughs) excuse me, Matthew 15, 8. Listen to what Jesus said. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Now, I'm not saying that's you. Here's what I want you to see. What did he say? Be aware of going through the motions. I need somebody to hand me a chair. Can somebody, Dylan, can you do it? Can you hand me that chair right there, brother? (coughs) Excuse me. All right, we all know we're capable of going through the motions in any area of our life, right? If you've been married for very long, you can go through the motions. What does that mean? That means my heart and my mind are really not in it. I'm just kind of going through the motions. All right, what did he say? He said, hey, find your seat in church and don't go through the emotions. Now, I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about in your heart. All right, so instead of showing up in church and you kind of are just like, you know, right? Right? man i'm hungry right i'm not picking on anybody and most of the time y'all don't do that but that you know what i'm saying just you show up because it's sunday and i'm just here and here's what i want to advocate here's what i want you to do i'm not talking physically but it's almost like you get on the edge of your seat okay? You get on the edge of your seat. Why? Hey, I want something. I need something from God. I'm not here to mark time. I'm not here to waste time. I'm not here because it's Sunday. I'm not here to please God. I'm here because I have a need. And it's like you kind of scoot up on the edge of your chair. And it doesn't mean you're doing it physically, but you're doing it in your heart. And you're saying, God, I've got something I need you to do. And you show up expecting. You see the difference? See, instead of showing up with just kind of going through the motions, you know. Oh man. You know, if I had somebody here, I'd put my hand on their shoulder. You know? Just kind of, man, you know. Right? You know exactly what I'm talking about. It's just another Sunday. Listen, when I walk down this sidewalk on Sunday morning and put my key in the door, here's what I say God, it's not just another Sunday. It's not just another Sunday. I know there are those of you here, and your life is hanging in the balance. And I cry out to God, God, move. And he does. So all I'm saying is, is you just show up. And, man, you get your seat. You know, it's like, you know, Vicki and I went to the movie in Amarillo at the Hollywood 16, and they've changed it, and they've put these lounge chairs in there, and they've taken out all the chairs, and, you're, and you have to have uh, your ticket has a seat number and you have to sit in a, it's assigned seating. And I've never been to the movie with assigned seating. Maybe they have that other places, but so we had to, you know, you you ever been to a concert, and you have assigned seating, and you have to walk along, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, and then inevitably somebody's in C3, right? And you have to say, I think I'm in C3, and and, you know, they weigh 275 and bench 500 pounds, and you have to say, you're in my chair, bro, I'm in C3. Right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, now, Let's just keep the movie analogy, right? Have you been to movies that you were excited to be there and you couldn't wait to see it? Now, I've been to some movies with my wife that I wasn't that excited to see the movie. Now, I've been pleasantly surprised at times, but I'm talking about those movies you like, okay? And you get there and you're excited and you got your popcorn, you got your Coke and you got your candy bar and you're ready, okay? Right? Do church the same way. Do church the same way. In other words, God, I'm ready. I need something. Okay, I don't just show up to go through the motions. Now, what did he say? He said, your heart's far from me. Now, I'm not saying your heart's far from God. All I'm saying is you be on guard. Man, God, I need something today. Let me tell you a story in closing. There's a man that used to pastor in this community, and he doesn't live here anymore. (coughs) Several years ago, (coughs) excuse me, with a group of pastors, we would rotate and go out to our prison and preach on Sunday afternoon, and I've been involved in it. And this pastor I'm thinking about had been involved in it. And if you've ever been to the prison, okay, number one, they're a captive audience, okay? Number two, they don't have anywhere to go. They don't have any appointments, okay? And they're pretty open and they're pretty hungry. And so it's an easy place to preach, okay? This pastor preached uh, on a Sunday afternoon at the prison. And when it was over, his men who went with him came up to him. And they said, Pastor, how come you don't preach like that in church? And here's what he said. You won't let me. You won't let me. Now, y'all aren't those kind of people. But here's what I'm trying to say to you. You show up expecting something, and listen, the Holy Spirit will move. I'll preach better than I've ever preached. God will make me look better than I deserve. You'll get more out of the service than you ever thought simply because you show up and you put a demand on the presence of God. You show up and put a demand on the Holy Spirit, and when you put a demand on the Holy Spirit, when you worship and you come in this place you say, God, I need something, it'll pour out of me, and then you'll come up to me and say, man, that was amazing, and it's not me, it's God. Because you put a demand. Do you understand? Just like when you put that plug in the light socket and electricity flows and lights the lamp, you put a demand on God. But when you show up and you're fat and you're tired and you're kind of sick, now I'm not saying physically sick, I'm just kind of, you know, I'm kind of full. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, I don't need nothing today. I just kind of need a break. You know what I mean? Then you know what happens then you leave and you know what you say man i wonder if pastor studied today i wonder if pastor had anything to say today you bet i have something to say and you bet i've studied you just got to put a demand on it all right now let me just remind you and then we're going to get out of here god wants to give you grace this year to fight start resisting the devil in the name of jesus find your seat in church get aligned with god it's more important than you know and don't allow yourself to go through the motions Man, when you show up in this place, and you do it every week, you show up in this place and you're like, man, glory to God, I need something from Jesus today. Amen? Amen. You know, I always joke, you know, what are you going to do today, Pastor? Oh, we're going to show a fly fishing video <laughs> or some Bugs Bunny cartoons, right? No, no, we're not doing that. Why? Because I know you need something from God. All right, y'all stand up and let me pray for you. Praise God. Praise <laughs> God. Hey, if you're having a Super Bowl party, come by and hand me a piece of paper with your address on it so I can come. All right, I'm going to do a lot of grazing today, so you've got to let me know, all right? Okay, Father, I love you. I'm so thankful for this great group of people, this amazing body of believers. Father, stir in our hearts, Lord, that as we leave this place today, you strengthen us to be able to resist the devil. You strengthen us to fight for our families in prayer. You strengthen us to align ourselves with the promises of God. And we stop listening to what other people say. We even stop listening to ourselves, and we align ourselves with what you say. Father, strengthen us, refresh us, and encourage us today. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said? Hey, I love."